Shut up and sit down. Dr. Corbin Weaver, an OB-GYN resident. I'm Dr. Katie Wyatt, and I'm one too. And I'm Dave Etler, their pod father. And, and we, we are, are the Vagabonds. Three friends venturing through the world of feminism and healthcare for women, babies, and people of all kinds. We don't give medical advice, and we don't speak for anyone other than ourselves. We're just recording conversations we'd be having in bars anyway. Hello, and today we're going to be talking about shoulder dystocia, what it is, and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's nice? We I think I feel like we've mastered the art of the intro at this point. Yeah, we're really good at it. We're really peak performance here. <laughs> no. Eighty episodes. Really we in should and... do it. If we did it like a patient presentation though, we would be really good at it, right, Corbs? Right. Maybe that's a good idea. What would that sound like? Go ahead. Um You want me to do uh, it, Corbs? I got yeah, it. Yeah, you do it. All right. This is a 30-year-old G2P2 who is um, postpartum day in one, status post-TSBD with a shoulder dystocia. Oh, Jesus. I- with a 30-second shoulder dystocia relieved by McRoberts and suprapubic pressure. Perfect. Lasting. And the fetus, the baby has no deficits. Uh, I'm going to oh, recommend no. against that as a format for intro not because um it wasn't uh you know certainly much more fluid that's good but because it was incomprehensible to me okay <laughs> well by the end guess what uh, what this will be comprehensible uh, very, maybe yay excellent i look forward to it okay shoulder dystocia dave tell me what you think it is so uh, my understanding is that uh, this is when the baby's shoulder mm-hmm. uh, gets caught on the pubic bone as the baby tries to come out. And Very good. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's al- Old star. It's almost like you told me what the topic was this week accidentally. And I looked it up. Um, that's fine. Well, that's okay. Yeah. Now we know Dave is a cheater, so <laughs> no, he just does his homework. It's fine. I understand that yeah. uh, that uh, it can it can cause problems for the baby. It can cause brachial plexus injuries and, and yeah, Ooh, uh, brachial plexus. Look at you. And, Tell uh, us about the brachial that, plexus. Broken Dave. brachial plexus That's is Dave. the uh, is the nerves uh, between the uh, spinal cord and the shoulder and arm. And uh, yeah. if the brachial plexus gets injured, it can. I mean, if it gets too injured, sometimes it can even you know. It's real bad. It can just basically tear the the uh, root of that nerve right out of the spinal cord, and then you've got some some real problems. Got an, yeah, that could. I mean, you got an arm that don't work. That would be real bad. Most of the time, it just tears or not tears, uh, stretches. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but it's it. Uh, my understanding is it's rare. It's not that. Co- it is rare. It's not that it common. Yeah, yeah, it is rare. And now I will turn it over to the real doctors. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So Dave was right. So shoulder dystocia, according to the ACOG practice bulletin, which uh, is my main reference here, um, is defined as the descent of the anterior shoulder that is obstructed by the symphysis pubis. That's the, um, that's the bone also, at the front of the pelvis. Wait, yes. but you can also have a posterior shoulder well, dystocia, I was, too. Well, I was just about to get there. Oh, my gosh. It's like we're so similar. I think. It's- yeah, and it can also uh, result from impaction of the posterior shoulder. 
Did you just on the maternal sacrum? Did you just crack open a frosty frosty cold one, Katie? Uh, it's a Sprite, but I also have a Blue Moon. Hey, Katie, I am drinking Sprite, too. Oh, my God. Oh, my gosh. It's like we're the same person. Oh, my goodness. Y'all, can I just say that Rattlers are the most amazing things on the face of the planet? It's half beer, half Sprite, and it's amazing. What in the world? It's so good. Just trust me and just try it. All right. Done. In fact, I'm going to text Adam to bring me a cup so I can make my own right now. <laughs> I think you can get um, them at Big Grove, maybe. Maybe I'm lying. and then You can, but you can also get them at my favorite favorite brewery in Charlotte. It's called Carabas County Brewery, and Austin's program director owns it, and it's awesome. We should, oh, man. We should have saved this for our uh, I know. fallopian files. I'm aware, but it's okay. <laughs> I just had to open it. Like the old days when I'd open a Dr. Pepper. <laughs> right. All right, keep going. Okay, Sorry, um, that's okay. So really, I mean, it's basically a shoulder dystocia is probably better defined as just like failure to deliver the fetal shoulders after the delivery of the fetal head. Yeah. So dystocia means just you can't something gets stuck essentially because yeah. you can have a body dystocia too, mm-hmm. or a maternal dystocia. The 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 mother gets stuck. What? No, the mom's like legs like if the mom like clamps her legs down and the baby gets stuck then it's because like the mom is oh okay. like not opening her pelvis yeah you know okay that's not really like a technical term but it's like is something that you'll hear talked about sometimes um and it's a big deal because i mean there's increased risk maternally and there's increased risk to the fetus I mean, um, so maternal complications I'll talk about first because, you know, this is OBGYN, not peds. Um, <laughs> just kidding, kind of. I love it. So I guess there's an increased risk of postpartum hemorrhage mm-hmm. um, with mm-hmm. shoulder dystocia. There's also a risk of a higher degree perineal laceration. So that's when you're, you know, you're... Can you say taint on podcast? Taint. We are explicit podcast. So we definitely oh, yeah. Can. We have explicit. We can say taint if we want. <laughs> We've said the word, the F word so many times. That's true. All of a sudden taint you're worried about more, taint. It seems but more, I don't know, lewd. I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's like our like sex negative Puritan ancestors. I draw the line at, at cooter. Cooter. Oh my gosh. How about I did you have a patient in your pain I mean, I did have a patient come in who's chief complaint. So for um, you know, all you non-medical people, a chief complaint, while it sounds bad, basically just mean why what the patient says when you ask them why they're coming to the doctor. Yeah. And I had a patient recently come into the hospital with her chief complaint. Um actually it wasn't cooter, it was my coochie hurts. It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like, well, you know, it's important to use the words that our patients use. So. Yeah, I like to put a lot of quotes in my notes. Do you? It's yeah. very fun. How in the world do you keep a straight face? I mean, we don't. You there's just, nothing wrong. You take, a, you take a breath before you walk in the room. That's yep. how. There's nothing wrong with, uh, with you know, with, with the word coochie for sure. I just think it would be hilarious in context. Dr. Makuchi hurts. Mm-hmm. I'm going to... If if I ever have to go to a urologist for my penis, I'm going to call it my member. Oh God! <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> just, 
Just to see. If that would definitely make everyone feel uncomfortable. Just to, just to see what happens. So you could tear your taint to a more severe degree uh, if you have a shoulder dystocia. Wow, that's an aggressive note to come back on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Things OBGYN say. I love it. Uh, <laughs> um, of note... Um, the incidence of the complications was not related to the maneuvers used. So I'll talk a little bit later about how we resolve shoulder dystocias. But they're called maneuvers because we like to use fancy words. Mm. Yeah, um, we fancy. And the degree of the, the incidence of the complications is not associated with this. Um, rate of postpartum hemorrhage was 11%. Rate of fourth degree laceration, 3.8%. So that's fun. Uh, fun fa- also, this is a kind of an aside, but um, do you know what you call high uh, obstetric lacerations involving the anal sphincter? Oasis. Yes. Oh, that's okay. Oasis, because it's oh, just I'm like sorry. a tropical vacation. That's okay. Um, <laughs> you say Dave. Why do they call it that? Obst- obstetric? Obstetrical anal sphincter injury. Oh, Wait. oh I, I think I get it. Obstetrical anal sphincter injury. Injury sucks. Yeah. Yeah. What does the second S stand for? I don't know. I looked this up mm. the other day. Oasis. Oh, well. Perineal. Oasis. I'll look it. Obstetric um, anal sphincter injury. That's what it stands for. What's the the S is the plural. Oh. I don't know. Injuries. Okay. Yes. All right. So anyway, those are some maternal... Compl- also, like... So there are some what we call heroic maneuvers. One is called the Zavanelli, which sounds really <laughs> fun, but really isn't. Um, and that's when you actually, you can't deliver the baby. And so you actually push its head back up into the maternal pelvis Ooh. and then do a uh, emergency C-section. Ooh. So those heroic maneuvers, um, you can also do, this isn't something that we do really do, but some fit, this is a really hard word for me to say because I'm from the country, but <laughs> symphysiotomy, symphysiotomy yeah. which is when you cut the pubic symphysis, which is the <sighs> cartilage, uh, keeping the two, because pu- ever uh, you know you have two halves to your pelvis. I mean, there's more than two bones, but two halves, we'll say, to your pelvis, and it's what kind of holds it together in the front. So that doesn't really that morbid, sounds like obviously. a yeah that sounds like a long recovery from that one. Yeah, I mean sometimes women actually can get them; they can have a pubic symphysis separation uh, during labor. Actually, mm-hmm. um, so and yes, people have very uh, a lot of pain, and it's a long recovery. Am I correct in thinking that the pubic symphysis symphysis mm-hmm. is? Mm-hmm. Um, is essentially a, is it a ligament between the two sides? Uh, yes. Oh, well, it's yeah, more or less, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a ligament. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's a ligament. Okay. So it's like if you were to cut the ligament. Yeah. And, yeah. And the reason that some women have the separation of it in pregnant or in delivery is because progesterone relaxes your ligaments. Mm-hmm. And I mean that's good thing for laboring women because their pelvis gets all loose. So they can right. deliver their baby through their pelvis, but it can cause a lot of pain for women. Like some women have a lot of pain from 
when they're like, because their pel- pelvic gets super lax, and so they have a lot of pain. Hmm. Say these heroic maneuvers, like you have the risk of like really bad vaginal lacerations, cervical lacerations, actual uterine rupture, injury to your urethra or pee hole. If we're being, <laughs> yep. And Can bladder I just lacerations. Say, butthole is my favorite word that I'm allowed to use at work. Um, can I just say that um, today Andrew and I had a disagreement about what your butthole was, and I was like, whoa, 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 how is that even what? possible? I know exactly. What? It's a stupid argument to have because everyone knows your butthole is your anus. Yeah. What? <laughs> yeah. What? What insane? What did he? What say? insane definition he was referring of anus? To it as like your butt crack. No, it's the same thing as your butthole. Is your gluteal cleft? Right. Exactly. I'm like, no, your butthole is your anus. Anyhow, um, he needs to go to med school. Right. I, like, I was like, don't try to mansplain buttholes to me. <laughs> yeah. Buttholes I'm a doctor, goddammit. Okay. I, 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 I I've not been to med school and I, I feel my children know what butthole is. Yeah. Because they're. Andrew's going to listen to this later and just be like, Andrew, come on. Andrew, you need to learn you what know what? Is. You know what? I don't want to. He knows now. He knows now. I don't want to be too down on Andrew. Uh, yeah. You know, some people are just ignorant. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> some people are just dumb. They it's just fine. need they Whatever. just need to be edu- oh, educated. Poor Andrew. Just kidding. Andrew's not dumb. He's not dumb. And he's the only reason why I can keep my life going like a normal person. <laughs> yep. Never met the uh, never met the man, so I'm free to judge him. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> only can judge him if you've never met. He's got fantastic taste in women. That's true. I agree. I agree. That'll give wholeheartedly him. agree. That'll give him his no- uh, his knowledge of anal anatomy substandard though. Anyway, go ahead. Substandard, but it doesn't come up a lot for him in his line of work. That's so. true. Anywho, um, so brachial plex. So anyway, neonatal convos- co- complications. Wow. This is like the worst podcast we've ever done. No, I'm loving it. I th- I think this is a great podcast. This is either the best or all, the worst. Okay, not just, very informational, <laughs> but a lot of fun. Can I just and put I this out there that the I am now, here for? I am two and a half beers into this night, by the way. <laughs> this explains a few things. I know. Anyway. I think this is what the people are here for, friends. That's right. I think they're here for our... Yeah, our, giving the um, people what they want. Our humor. Giving the people what they want, okay? They want to hear me say taint on on the air, okay? <laughs> yeah, and butthole. <laughs> and butthole. The taint is the area between your baby hole and your butthole. There you go. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Um, have you guys ever had to explain... Okay, not Dave. Well, maybe Dave, actually. Have you ever maybe. had to explain to someone what anal sex was? Because that's awkward, let me tell you. No, I've never had I don't, to explain I don't think it's I have, no. hilarious. It never came up for me, really. I'm like, did someone... Did you ask them if they had anal sex and they're like, what's that? Yeah, teen clinic. We asked them what kind of sex they have. They have anal... And then some teens are like normal sex and you're like, what do you mean by normal sex? And they're like, what's anal sex? I'm like, where you put the penis in the butthole. (laughs) And then they went home and tried it. (laughs) You, Whatever, it's fine. You'll recall that I outsourced most of our sex education to uh, a church, so... The Unitarian, which is great. So uh, I'm sure they covered it extensively. Yeah, they probably did. Go back and listen to uh, episode something or other on uh, comprehensive sex education, the Our Whole Lives program. Anyway... I'm sorry. I'm sorry, um, listeners. Yeah. So um, we talked about the maternal complications, now the men- neonatal complications. And really, I mean, like, theoretically, the natural, 
Like, obviously, when a baby's head is out, its body isn't out, it could lose oxygen. Um, and then, you know, if that doesn't resolve, the baby would not make it. But um, so obviously there's a huge risk to the the fetus here. Um, and when we talked about brachial plexus injuries, so Dave cheated and um, looked ahead mm-hmm. at the reading. Yeah. But um, actually most uh, brachial plexus injuries resolve. So like some babies will have... Um, some some uh, injury right after delivery, but then that'll gradually resolve with time. And that's just because, so the injury happens because of the stretching and then eventually it it gets better. Yeah. Um, and then there's the two types of palsies that are most common are herb palsy and clump key palsy. And I just say that because I wanted to say the word clump key. Is that a, is that a name? Uh, yeah, it's a name. Clump key. Clump key. Yeah, it's a name. And it basically depends on which Basically, the top half or the lower half of the brachial plexus is stretched. It also always reminds me of, uh, what is it? Is it West Side Story? Yep. Officer Klumpke. Yes. Rawr, yeah. rawr, rawr. It's Crump. Yeah. It's Crumpke in, in West Side Story. I know Story. it is, but I want to say Klumpke because yeah, that's what it is. That's exactly what uh, it reminds me of. It's like every time we have a patient whose name can be fit into a song, I always do. I always sing it every day during rounds. <laughs> I think it annoys everyone, but I don't care. Uh, that's fine. I say you do you, Katie. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I do me, always. There's also risk of like um, musculoskeletal injuries, like clavicular or um, arm fractures. Sometimes the, the, so the clavicle, I had to think of what the word was, um, also known as the collarbone, is actually intentionally broken, um, but that's oh, not yeah. really, um, and this is, we're talking about the baby. Um, Got to get that baby most out. Most of the time it's, un- yeah, trying to get the baby out essentially. Yeah. Most of the time, obviously, it's unintentional. And actually, most of the time, uh, these these breaks will resolve without issue, further issue in the baby. And then there's uh, obviously the risk of something we call hypoxic ischemic encephalopathy, the feared, the feared uh, complication of all OBGYNs everywhere. Which is basically um, damage to the baby's brain due to a lack of oxygen. Um, so, and they they found all of these things together um, are about five point two percent in shoulder dystocias. Hmm. Yeah. So you know, not an insignificant number. Uh, obviously, the hypoxic ischemic encephalopathy is a lot lower than the palsies or the breaks. But there's like an issue, like as is a lot of problems with research, the most difficult challenge, I guess, is that it's hard to have long-term follow-up on the outcomes of these kiddos because it's hard to follow them. Um, so what are some risk factors for shoulder dystocia? What do you think? Obesity. Put, throw some out. Obesity, okay. Um, maternal diabetes. Maternal diabetes is correct. Um... Some other things that I've forgotten since I read. The, yeah. So um, so one thing we know is that we actually, and this is one thing that's kind of, it's a challenge because we actually can't accurately predict shoulder dystocia. Like we cannot predict who is going to have a shoulder dystocia and who is not. Well, the numbers are very small however, on their own. Yeah. However, there are risk factors. 
prior shoulder dystocia is a risk factor. Oh yeah, um, I read uh, you can you it elevates a prior shoulder dystocia elevates your risk ten percent. Yeah, you have about ten percent risk of recurrence, um, and that actually people who have a previous dystocia have the option um, to have a elective cesarean section. Mm-hmm. Um, increased birth weight of the baby, uh, maternal diabetes. And that's because of with maternal diabetes, it uh, changes the fat distribution on the baby. Oh, that makes, it, uh, makes them yeah. kind of like broader in the shoulders. I wondered how about mm-hmm. that connection. Okay, that makes that makes more sense. Yeah, and that includes so when we we need to talk about gestational diabetes sometime. But there's a screening test called a glucola or a one hour glucose test, and then there's mm-hmm. a three hour. And so the screening test is the one hour. And so if they fail that, but they pass their three hour. That failed one hour is a independent risk factor also. Yeah. Hmm. Insulin Mm -hmm. resistance or whatever. Anywho, um, but most cases of shoulder dissociates actually occur in non-diabetic women with normal-sized infants. So, um, yeah. There have been a lot of studies. I mean, mostly they're not, like, adequately powered or thoroughly studied. But right now, the evidence says, like, Excessive maternal weight, weight gain, prolonged stage of labor, those kind of things aren't risk factors. Or um, I guess I should say, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Reliable risk factors, I guess. And um, we talked about, yeah, the probability of recurrent shoulder dystocia. Um, Yeah, about 10% would be a good, 10 to 15% would be a good number to quote. Um, Again, not super obvious. So... Also, some people might think because large fetal weight is like a risk factor, like should people be induced to prevent that? And that's actually shown to have no difference in rate of shoulder dystocia recurrence. Oh. Or uh, occurrence. Well, all right. So that's kind of a bummer. Um, they talk about C-sections for large babies, big old babies. Big old um, babies. Yeah, and they don't... Um, ACOG doesn't recommend a C-section purely for fetal indi- fetal weight indications until 5,000 grams on a non-diabetic mom and 4,500 grams on a uh, yep. diabetic mom. So, yeah. Okay. So, now we're getting to the fun part, kind of, which is what do we do? And this scary is the reason why part. I thought about talking about it. This is scary for anyone who deals with this because it is a very scary situation and the seconds feel like minutes let me tell you when a shoulder dystocia is happening um i had a long one once and let me tell you it shot my nerves for the rest of the day it's a it's a true emergency so there's kind of like a progression of maneuvers that people use first one and usually it's used in simultaneous simultaneously the one and two are kind of used simultaneously First one, McRoberts maneuver. So that's basically where... So when a shoulder dystocia happens, they can actually sometimes be kind of hard to diagnose like really rapidly. Like obviously if the baby doesn't deliver, then you can diagnose it. But like there can be some confusion depending on like, you know, if you have a medical student standing in your way (laughs) and you can't see what's going Mm -hmm. on. I don't know. I don't know if that's true in your experience, Katie, but... Yes. Well, there's there's um, one sign that I read about, um, turtle sign. Yeah, Ooh. turtle sign. Love what do you think? What sign. is the turtle sign, Dave? Well, it, as I understand it, uh, when the baby's head comes out and then it kind of goes back in. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, you know, it's like a turtle. It's base. I I imagine that it's basically because the the 
shoulder that's stuck is kind of acting like a spring and pulling him back in. Yep. Yep. Yeah, so the shoulders can pull the baby back in. And so that's a sign. Um, so the first thing, McRoberts maneuver. So um, basically the you have two people and they're hyperflexing the mom's legs at her hips. Uh, to just sort of open it up, see. open things up, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, and then um, basically it causes the rotation of her pubic bone towards her head and kind of potentially creates a way for the shoulder to slip out. I'm imagining when you describe it, I'm imagining like pulling a a rubber band over a, a, a jar or something like that. Kind of. Yeah, like I think if I'm imagining what you're Yeah, like the describing. like the, the, the Sisyphus is the rubber band and you're sort of pulling it over the jar, which is oh, the yeah, baby's shoulder. Of. So if you rotate your yeah. pelvis up, it's sort of allowing the syphysis to rotate around the shoulder and allow the baby to come out. Is that what I'm am I getting an yeah. accurate Yes, kind of. Okay. It's I'm like I'm happy you, with kind of. It's like if you I'm trying to think of something. Uh it's like if you were if you stuck your hand into a mason jar and you were trying to like pull it out straight, but then you kind of like tilted the jar a little bit to help your hand slide out. That is that's what that, it's like. okay. That's good. Does that make that sense? That does make sense, yeah. Right, Corbs? Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. Yep. It's like you're opening the angle more. Yeah. Um, so that's McRoberts. Yeah, and then suprapubic. Did you talk about that yet? Yeah, and then suprapubic pressure. So that's basically where you um, have someone basically push the baby's anterior shoulder, so their top shoulder, um, kind of like diet. It's like straight down, but it's like basically towards their chest. And so, sorry, I leaned away from the mic when I said that. Can you say it again? I was doing a lot of cool actions. <laughs> I said when you, um, yeah, push the baby's shoulder towards their chest. And that's um, basically you're, you're narrowing the shoulder-to-shoulder diameter so that they can kind of slip out. It's like... So if you hunch your shoulders towards you, your center line. Yeah. If you're like trying to get through a door that's closing right and you like squeeze. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like basically squeezing through kind of... And so when you're doing this, you'd have to tell the whoever's doing it, which is usually the nurse, what direction to push the baby based on where their body is facing. Because if you were to, obviously, if you were to push it towards their back, that's not going to help anything. It's going to make it worse, actually. So you need the the shoulder to be pushed towards the baby's chest. Um, Essentially, you're trying to narrow the distance between each shoulder. Yeah, so you can get, yeah. Um, and then the next thing is delivery of the posterior arm, which is, um, basically when you basically reach in and grab the post, the arm, so the bottom arm and, um, that kind of help again, helps narrow the diameter that you're trying to get through. Um, and then most, and then the baby can kind of slip out. Um, and the use of these three maneuvers will actually relieve 95% of cases of shoulder dystocia. Yep. So the other one, the other ones are, um, kind of more, that's when you're really starting to sweat when you get past the posterior arm. Um, there's a Rubin maneuver. Uh, I'm trying to figure out how I can describe this. That makes any sort of sense at all. If I read, um, if I read correctly, it's when you uh, give the mother a sandwich. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Um, I wish extra sauerkraut. Yeah. 
So you place the hand in the vagina um, on the posterior shoulder and then you rotate it into your, like, towards You're the You're trying to, like, face. corkscrew the baby out, essentially. Yeah. Oh. But there's, like, okay, essentially the next three maneuvers that Corbin's going to talk about are all different ways to corkscrew the baby out. Yeah, essentially. So basically, and there's one that's actually called the wood screw maneuver. <laughs> yeah. Um. So where you, like, yeah, basically try to twist the baby out. Um, we have fun names. Yeah. So and then the Gaskin maneuver, say. which is when you repeat all those steps on all fours. With the mother on all fours. Flip, flip yeah, so you over. flip them over the, and you do all those. Not the obstetrician. Right, yeah. The <laughs> obstetrician stands on his or her head. <laughs> and um, no, so you put the mom on all fours. Yeah. We have really fun jobs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then we talked about the Zavanelli before, which is not good news, friends. Okay. Um, I have actually met someone who had a Zavanelli before. I've seen a Zavanelli before. Oof. What? It was terrifying. Not oh. in residency. It was in med school. Oh, really? Where were you? It, it you know, oh my where I did my third year rotations. Yikes. Yeah. It was um, So the reason why I brought this up is actually there was an article in the Green Journal, which is our little obstetrics and gynecology journal from June, um, called Shoulder Shrug Maneuver to Facilitate Delivery during shoulder dystocia. Oh. So this is a new maneuver um, to relieve uh, shoulder dystocia, which is kind of fun. So basically, it's kind of like a modified version of the posterior arm slash the like Ruben wood screw maneuvers, where basically um, the obstetrician reaches or midwife or whoever is doing it reaches his or her hand into the so the back the posterior and kind of like hooks the baby's armpit mm -hmm. and then they rotate that posterior shoulder forward so then it's like the now it's the anterior shoulder mm. and that kind of just the idea is that the like posterior shoulder will be further i guess descended Out? yeah yeah and then so when you you know twist the baby you kind of have like bypassed the pubic symphysis so it's huh. kind of interesting that's cool yeah it is cool so that's kind of something new and exciting in OBGYN. yeah hot take hot take so fun yeah um you know love new shit it is exciting because i mean i thought it was interesting because i don't know when have you heard of a new shoulder dystocia maneuver like i know it's been a while I'm sure. Yeah. So, anywho, that's shoulder dystocia. Um, simulation is important for shoulder dystocia because it's something you want to be prepared for. I mean, really, you have to be prepared for it. Yeah. It, with every. I mean, delivery. it doesn't happen often, but when but, it does happen, it seems like a big deal. And the only way to to practice, I mean, you got to practice it with something. You guys have yeah. you guys, so you guys have access to like what uh, simulated pelvises and. And mm -hmm. uh, and baby and and, and and fetuses or babies, I guess at that point, and you just practice each one of these things. Yeah. Well, all right. It's we do well. We did also. Did you do also? Of course. No, we didn't. So also is advanced life support for obstetrics. So we all did it. Um, but it's like a. It's essentially like a, you just go through all the obstetric emergencies with a simulation. Um, but we have a sim center here. Um, that has like, so they make these um, simulated patients that are made out of like plastic, whatever, they're mannequins. 
and there's one that's pregnant and it can deliver a baby and it has different settings. And so there is a social dystocia setting and they essentially like push a button whenever they want to release the baby. But so you can practice all the maneuvers and things, but there's also other ones like postpartum hemorrhage, eclampsia, uh, breach delivery, et cetera, et cetera. But it's really good because, I mean, I did so many simulations of a postpartum hemorrhage before I ever had my own first postpartum hemorrhage, and I was really freaked out about it. And then when I had my first postpartum hemorrhage in the hospital, I was like, oh, that's it. Because, like, I just knew what to do because I had simulated it so much, so many times. That's pretty amazing, though. Um, It's really good. I mean, you got to internalize these things, right? You can't just learn about them in books and then hope that when the time comes, you know how to do it. Mm Mm-hmm. Pretty cool. Uh, This past week, the director of the NIH, Director Francis S. Collins, publicly publicly stated. Yeah. Do you know? Do you know Mr. Collins, Dr. Collins? I've read one of his books before. He publicly stated that he would no longer participate in all male panels at scientific meetings. Noise. He released a statement from the NIH in which he said, it is time to end the tradition in science of all male speaking panels, all male, I mean, all male speaking panels, which he said sometimes were called manals, which I love. Uh, he would decline to take part, he said, if there wasn't an apparent, if there wasn't apparent an effort at being inclusive. Um, apparently, uh, Hell yeah. apparently Dr. Collins has been on a tear because this isn't the first time he's spoken up about women scientists and their treatment. Um, last fall, he said that the NIH would make, uh, more of an effort to combat sexual harassment, saying it was a major op- obstacle for women trying to reach their, uh, what he called their rightful place in science. And, um, uh, I, I think that's an obvious and yet a uh, good thing for him to do, um, to come out and say no more. I'm not gonna, yeah, that's awesome. I'm not going to be on your stinky man panel. Um, so p- to put this in perspective, if you don't know, to, uh, 2017 workforce diversity report from the NIH found uh, more than half of doctoral degrees in the biological sciences were earned by women, but women hold only 29% of tenured faculty jobs and even fewer women held leadership positions. Um, and part of that, it could be due to a lack of visibility of women, right? Um, and one of the ways you get visibility is to present at conferences. And one of the avenues to present at conferences is the panel where several people get up in front of, uh, an audience and talk about research. Um, Mm -hmm. at the NIH in particular, it has a bit of a problem. 22% of tenured faculty jobs um, belong to women and only 38% of tenured track positions belong to women. Um, the other thing that they mentioned last May, uh, the NIH announced that it was limiting the terms of those who oversee its research labs and will create a pipeline aimed, aimed at finding more minority and female tenure track faculty so that the leader leadership more closely remember, resembles the 50% of doctoral degrees earned by women. Nice. So, um, Big doings over at NIH in the area of um, equity. Uh, yeah, that's so awesome. Pretty cool. Good job, Francis Collins. Yeah. Go, Frankie. Well done. Well done. Awesome. Any? I have exciting news too regarding our next episode. Oh. Okay. Oh. All right, y'all. 
I bought a book. Uh, whoa! Oh, that's it's not called it. Get ready. Uh-huh. 25 placenta recipes. <laughs> and we're going to... Hell yeah, that's what we're going to we're going to try them. <laughs> we're going to read oh, them. Okay. It's going to be amazing. Oh, God, I wish we were together. We, I we know. could... Uh, how would one get a hold of a, say, like a cow placenta or something like that where we could test these on? I'm sure you could get it. I'm... This sounds cool. Let me just give you a couple of the recipes. Okay. Curried placenta. Mm. Placenta and yam stir fry. Mm. <laughs> placenta pate. <laughs> Stop. Power punch. Ugh. Okay. Power punch? Yep. Is it like a placenta smoothie of some sort? I guess. Oh gosh. Mm. All right. Well, that's what we're talking about next time. I decided. Already. Awesome. I look forward to it. Oh, speaking of fallopian files, I watch. I started watching Good Omens. Oh, good. It's so yeah, good. It oh, I finished it. It was so good. Yeah. I have one episode left. Thank God it wasn't canceled um, on uh, Netflix. Oh my God. Yes. Can we talk about that? Can that be our other news? <laughs> a bunch of people boycotted Netflix about and told them to <laughs> cancel Good Omens. <laughs> but it's not made by that. No. Plus it's kind of a, I mean, I hate to point it out, but it's, it's, uh, it's already finished. There is no, there are no more. Yeah, you can't cancel it. <laughs> it's uncancelable. <laughs> Yep. Uh, um, I, you know, people are amazing. They have they have um, since fixed their petition. I understand. So it's just yeah. that much more effective now. Although watching it, I am like, damn, I can see how this would make Christians mad. Yeah, I mean, basically, they're they're you know, they're they're saying a lot of a lot of uh, interesting things about uh, the devil and 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 Satan and and and. And angels and God and just really amazing, yep. amazing stuff. It's all right. God will be all right, people. God will be fine. Yeah. He's not worried. He's not worried about any of this. I'm going to go with vacation. I think I did vacation last year uh, around okay. this time, but I am on the verge of of traveling uh, to lovely Cape Cod to visit my oh yeah my family. Exciting. And uh, it, it does involve a two day drive, uh, but I but I get right. to fly back. Oh, good. And my family will be staying there for staying there for uh, six weeks. Um, so I get to be a bachelor for bachelor. We're driving. We're all driving out together. I'm staying there for one week and then I'm flying back and then I'm going and then I'm returning by plane to Cape Cod uh, two weeks after that to stay for an additional two weeks. And then I'm flying back nice. and then they are driving back. So I get the good end of this deal, really. It's true. Um, but I'm so looking forward to it. That's yes. awesome. So my fallopian file is donating to uh, organizations that are currently working on the border. You know, um, noise. That is such a good idea. I I, I sent. Um, have you? What organization would you do? You, do you know of? Um, Races Texas. Oh, so I've heard R-A-I-C-E-S. a lot about them. Hmm. Um, they do a lot of really good work. Yeah. Um, so I recommend donating to them if you are looking for an organization to donate to. Also, you can call your senator. I know it can be hard if you have a, you know, senators and representatives, if you have people who, you know, aren't going to listen to you. You know, I, I wrote to, uh, it's worth it. I wrote to my senators here in Iowa, um, Senator Ernst and Senator Grassley. Um, and yeah, as usual, I wasn't terribly imp- impressed with the responses, um, uh, you know, specifically, I'm a, I was moved by, you know, the story of of the uh, the Justice Department lawyer 
um, arguing that toothbrushes and blankets and shit weren't 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 Weird, necessary. Yeah. I mean, that was what that was what moved me to write this time. Um, but yeah, as usual, I got back a you know whatever response um, that did not impress me. So, but you know, you got to keep doing it. So you got to keep doing it. It's true. Um, speaking of writing to your legislators, we just had graduation and we all got superlatives from the chiefs that were graduating and mine was most likely to shoot a deer on the way to the state house. (laughs) (laughs) That's like the perfect, that's perfect for you. I was like, truer words have literally never been spoken. (laughs) That's hilarious, Katie. That's like so you. You should come to. You I should know. come to Iowa City. They're uh, they're 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 setting up a uh, a sharpshooting uh, hunt for all the deer that are taking over. Yeah, really? <gasps> That'd be so fun. Did you, Katie? When they said gave you that superlative, did you just feel so seen? <laughs> yeah, I did. And known? <laughs> yeah, I did. I was like, hey, I yeah. I felt seen and known for you. <laughs> Thank you. I know. It's really funny because one of my attendings and I are going on a hunting trip this You're year. Kidding. That's awesome. <laughs> All right, my Philippian file is local art museums. Mm. So um, our art museum in Columbia has this thing called Arts and Drafts. Um, And so like once a quarter, they have a big, um, like essentially festival. So our art museum is downtown and right next to it is this big pavilion that they just redid and it's really beautiful and has a big fountain and like really nice outdoor space. And so out there they have like some beer tents and some food tents and food trucks and stuff. And then you like pay a cover and I guess you into the art museum and then you also, you know, get in and like they have live music and stuff like that, too. And then you can go in and like look at all the exhibits um, and walk around. I don't know. It's really cool. It's really fun. And our museum is really good here. But I mean, art travels all around the world. So you can like always go to your local art museum and see something new and interesting. We're getting a Van Gogh exhibit soon. I'm very excited about it. Oh, you fancy, huh? I know, we're fancy. We just had a Pollock. Mm. I know, it's cool. I went to the yeah. art museum here once. It was a good time. Mm-hmm. Could go to the LBJ library here in Austin, Texas. Ooh. I just learned something about Lady Bird Johnson. I don't remember what it was. <laughs> it's a good story, though. I know. And then I found $20. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's a 90s comeback if I ever heard anything. I know. The 90s are back, y'all. <laughs> The 90s are bad. Very good. All right. Well, this has been awesome. Yes. I hope our listeners uh, enjoyed our many tangents at the top of the show. But, you know, you'll be fine. Gosh. I'm going to go watch the end of Good Omens. I'm going to go catch the Democratic debates, which are about to begin. Mm. I know. I'm pretty excited. Got to see what uh, Elizabeth Warren's on tonight. So I got to see what she's... She's, mm. I'm all in for Elizabeth yeah. Warren. Yeah. All right, y'all. All right. All right. This has been fun. Bye. 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 Bye.